So listen, we back inside the mind of a millionaire. It's been a while. Listen, am I good? If I'm winning, then you winning at the same time, baby. Finna press the industry like the main line, baby. Look, I was raised different. I see the whole game different. Gotta go hard like LeBron in the paint with it. We don't just play different. Every day we think different. Wake up in the morning, talk to Christ. You know I pray different. Used to play. Hey, welcome to Inside the Mind of a Millionaire with me, Jake Taylor Jacobs, where you get to get inside of my brain and learn how I built multiple million dollar corporation. We have over three companies that are doing millions of dollars a year uh, and another company, tech company, that will soon be there too. So you get to you get to hear me directly. Yeah. So how did you keep your vision aligned with your team while you was out? So I was sick, sick. Uh, um, I was a person who kind of took COVID seriously, but not really seriously. So when it hit me, it was uh, uh, it actually hit me pretty bad, and I was out. Like, didn't check the phone, didn't check text, didn't check emails. I checked nothing at all. Um, so uh, ensuring that we already had the culture, the systems, uh, we already had the processes in place already, uh, we were able to be prepared for if a time like that came up. And I think that a lot of people, when it comes to building businesses, we build businesses reactive instead of proactive. And the reactive is as something happens, then I have some type of, uh, uh, I'm trying to find a solution for whatever. But when COVID hit me, we already set contingency plans in place prior to, if I don't even exist on this planet anymore, we have protocol and steps that we all need to take that the company will take to be able to replace me and continue going. So being proactive is absolutely key in making sure that if anything were to happen like COVID or something like that, your team has the right leadership and the right structure to at least be able to keep up with the pace of you, even while you're out. A lot of people think that a successful leader is somebody that, that's supposed to have all the answers. But a true leader is somebody that finds people who are better than him or her in their specific field. And he lets them lead. And what I mean by lets them lead is he is guiding them to help them find the solutions to their problems. See, most people think that they're good leaders because they're the one with the answers all the time. But that's not a good leader. That type of person typically likes people who are uh, lower than them skill set wise so they can keep giving them direction. See, I created an environment. We've created an environment here at ABS um, uh, to where it is a collective, meaning if you got the best idea with the best solution, we're, we're rocking with you and we're following you. Why? Because you have to create an environment to where you're developing leaders to be able to make decisions for themselves or else they will always be waiting for you to give the final OK. So you got to train your team. You got to train your people on how they can be able to make effective, efficient decisions without you, without you having to be the one with the answer the entire time. So I think that if you take your time in allowing, giving, uh, cultivating an environment where you make it um, uh, available or you make it, um, uh, you, you make it um, open enough for people to give their ideas, even also tell their frustrations, it at least allows for them to know that you're creating an environment that best suits and fits them to be able to find the best version of themselves. So a great leader develops leaders and then he lets, or he or she lets those leaders lead and you take the back seat. What do you feel um, that most leaders are lacking today 
this trait that you know characterizes that type of person? Um, what do I think that most leaders are are, are lacking with today? Yeah. That what? You know, just quote. I mean, just what quote unquote leaders are lacking today? Yeah. Like what what would you what do you see, uh, especially being an influencer on yeah. social media? Um, like what is the most dangerous trait? Um, I think that. Uh, most leaders' uh, businesses are personality-driven, which means that if you are not involved, your business does not run. And um, although, uh, high, you know, when you look at it, it looks like, you know, that that's the right move to make because you're an influencer or you're a leader, you're in the space, you want to be seen. But the name of the game is, yeah, you may have to start off being personality-driven, but you got to start fading yourself to the back and moving your team up to the front. So it'll allow for your business to get the respect, not just the personality. So a lot of people who are great leaders, they have personality driven businesses or organization, which means if that leader were to pass away or go, that that, the, that, that organization or their business would die immediately. We have to understand that when we're creating businesses, these are organisms, these are babies that are supposed to move and go without you. Imagine birthing a child and then the moment that you die, they die immediately. What was the purpose of having a child to be able to grow and develop after you? And so you got to see your business as your baby and you have to start using it and developing it. So just like a baby in their infancy, they need you all the time. Just like a baby as a toddler, they need you all the time. But eventually that baby wants to start being a little bit more and more independent and you have to trust the skill sets um, and processes that you put in place for that baby to get them to start making cho good choices as a growing teen or young adult. Eventually, that child will be self-sufficient and, and, and be able to operate without you, which is the number one goal that you should have with your business. Treat your business like you would your child, and when it's time to let your child go, that you have trust that you taught your child enough for them to be able to make good decisions for their life, same thing goes for your business. Most leaders fail at duplicating themselves because they want to be on the forefront and not in the behind the scene, making sure that everybody else gets lifted. Would that be the best uh, piece of advice for upcoming leaders? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 that, 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 that would definitely be my, yeah. Because you just, you know, we got four new CEOs yeah. now, we got four new business partners. Yeah. 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 So that's pretty much it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you got to understand that you as a you as a front runner or a pioneer, it's your job to pave the way and create the platform. Then it's also your job to get the hell out the way. And and you cannot pave the way and then want to stay in the in the in the scene the entire time. At some point, you got to have a contingency plan to move yourself aside. I've had to rebuild it three. It felt like five. Um, we, re, we had to rebuild from scratch three, and we had to re-strategize two. So, it, I mean, people can look at that as five, but uh, we just had to refocus and re-strategize. Um, so, so when it comes to, what was the question again? Um, and you can also, because I know you don't elaborate, 
Chicago right now, but my, the question that's going to be after that is also what is your biggest risk that you're facing? Okay. Um, one thing that I would take back if I could is to not base my business decisions on is this going to financially affect me today? I think a lot of us, when we're starting business, we make decisions to get in business to make money today. And we never think about that short-term thinking or that short-term mindset. So a lot of the bad decisions that I made as an entrepreneur getting started, which is why I had to start this company over three times, is very simple. It's because I was making decisions based on money and not based on a total output or the longevity of my brand, marketing, product, strategy, or services. And so every bad pigeonhole place I put myself into had 99% to do with I was trying to focus on getting the bag. And I'm telling you, that bag get heavy. You can get the bag, but there's a trap that comes with it. So that's my mistake. Um, and that's what I will avoid as an entrepreneur. I will avoid the pit hole of only thinking about currency because currency is just the scoreboard to the value that you bring to the marketplace. So when you study, uh, uh, when you study the scoreboard, you're not paying attention to the game. Imagine being a basketball player and literally the entire game you're looking at the scoreboard. Of course you're not going to be scoring points because the only thing you're looking at is the scoreboard. You have to be involved, completely immersed in the game in order for you to actually see the benefits of that scoreboard increasing. So when you look at people and basketball players who be in the zone, they typically say, I was in the zone. I couldn't hear nothing. I couldn't see nothing. The basket was huge. I couldn't miss. And they have to look at the end of the game to see how much they made or how many points they scored. That's the same thing when you're building a business. You gotta find yourself in the zone and what you actually love or you're great at doing. And then from being in that zone and getting so good at it, you put yourself into a position of authority. And when you look back at, at the scoreboard, you're gonna realize you winning. Yeah, so, I, so, I, so this is why I say never start a business without an exit strategy. Every business and every entrepreneur should have an exit strategy. You should have a time period on which you know that when I get here, I need to pivot. Or when you begin to start to see momentum die, you have to just readjust or maybe rebrand or rebirth yourself. Um, a lot of people think that the way you started business is how you have to finish. How I came into the game don't mean that's how I have to, that, that's, that's how I get out the game. So I got to learn um, I got to know myself. I got to know what the market's saying. I got to know what I'm trying to prove. Um, I got to know what I'm trying to accomplish and be able to make the definitive decision to say, this is it. And when it's extremely hard to do, when, when you have no traction, no momentum, no nothing, maybe that's some type of um, message that God is trying to tell you to pivot, re-strategize, rebrand, and refocus on maybe something new that will allow for you to stay alive. Because in order to survive in this game, it's the survival of the fittest. Having the ability to adapt to the world's circumstances and environment at that given time. So what you planned on selling, if it's not taken, if, if nobody's taking it, you gotta readjust, reevaluate so that you can go, go back uh, uh, after your goals and dreams. 
Hey, listen, family, at the ABS firm, we teach families all across the country how to build their own bank. Yes, I said it, how to build their own bank. If you're looking to try to get out of debt, stop borrowing money from everyone else's bank without building your own family banking system, you need to get in our private banking blueprint where we literally show you exactly what we did to not only build our own private banking system for our company, but what I did to build me and my wife's and my family's private banking system so that you can be able to not only guarantee wealth for your family, but you can now learn how to be your own bank. How cool would it be to learn not only how to be your own bank, but to actually become your own bank? So go to privatebankandblueprint.com, privatebankandblueprint.com, so that you can learn 25 hours coursework, videos, questions, everything that you need. And you will also be able to talk to one of our ABS advisors to be able to set you up your own family bank. Family, this is true. It is possible. You just have to go see it for yourself. So privatebankingblueprint.com. Don't wait. Jacobs, Bank, Bank Jacobs. Jacobs. <laughs> so, uh, what makes life insurance the life insurance industry so lucrative? Um, for the insurance company or for the, uh, what makes the life insurance industry so lucrative? Is it for the 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 people offering life insurance? Or are you talking about for the customer? So the person offering the insurance industry is amazing because for, for one, uh, you get to offer a product to a public or to the market that you know is beneficial. You're able to offer what we call guaranteed wealth. In order for you to actually get wealthy, people think that you can earn wealth. You cannot earn wealth. You either buy it or you rent it. That is it. You can, you can, you can earn yourself to be rich, but you can't earn yourself to be wealthy. You have to buy your wealth or rent or, or, or build your wealth. So until you have the ability to build your wealth, life insurance gives you the ability to buy your wealth and buy your legacy to be able to do that. Now, uh, so as an advisor, when you're out there and you be able to offer a product, if you're looking for a product to offer, the, one of the best industries to get in, is, in this, is, is this industry. Now, for the consumer, when you talk about building guaranteed wealth, a lot of us find ourselves struggling and we're trying to find, uh, 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 you know, borrow from this to get here and do this to get there. Um, you get into business endeavors all for the sake of passing down a legacy to your children. Well, you're not going to be able to pass down a legacy to your children because let me give you a, let me give you a small fact. Only, only 20% of businesses from the first generation gets passed down to the second. And only 6% of businesses goes from the second generation to the third. So 94% of businesses that get started today will never reach your third generation, which lets you know when you say I'm building this business for my children and my children's children, 94% of the time, it ain't, uh, it ain't going to happen in the first place. But what life insurance allows for you to do, it allows for you to buy your children's legacy. So that means what? If I bought legacy for my children, I no longer have to worry about doing businesses or getting into opportunities that don't best serve me because your children are already taken care of. Okay, so off of that, what's a good place to start if I'm not ready for a A good place to start if you're not ready uh, to, uh, to start uh, uh, building your own private bank in insurance is just to buy a simple term insurance policy. A term insurance policy is like equivalent to me saying renting your wealth. So buying your wealth is with a permanent policy. Renting your wealth is with a term policy. 
What happens with rent? You have a time period that you're agreeing that you're going to be in that space. And then after that time period is up, you do what? You renew your lease. The same thing that happens with a term policy. You have a specific a lot amount of time that you're renting a, a, a coverage. And after that coverage ends, you can either renew the lease or you can go and buy a, a policy or you can retract out of policies in general. So if you cannot afford to learn how to start banking, you can go get you, especially if you're in your thirties, you can go get you a million dollar policy for like a hundred bucks a month. So for a hundred bucks a month, you can rent a million dollars worth of legacy for your children. So if you were to pass away or die in between, um, in between, uh, uh, the day you got started in the 20 years that you agreed to, or the 10 years you agreed to on a term, your family will get a million dollars from you saying that you wanted to rent a hundred, 200 bucks a month. Yes. Right. So why do I have so many banks? Well, when you start a policy, it is a contractual agreement between you, you and the insurance carrier. So whatever you start the policy doing, you have to keep doing that. You cannot just go put $30,000 into a policy that you started off doing 5,000 a year. It doesn't work like that because there's a contractual build out of that policy, which, which, which keeps you uh, subjective or subject to the actual contract. So when you begin to make more money, that's how you end up uh, opening more policies and getting more policies. No different than uh, uh, a bank. When one bank is doing extremely well, wouldn't it make sense for that bank to go find another location, open up again with overflow and continue to make money? That's how your business is monopolized. So when it comes to me uh, writing policies or me, uh, 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 me um, you know, open up all these policies and banks that I, I call them banks that I have, it's because I make more money. And what I started with, or, you know, my first policy, I started with like 2000 a year. Well, clearly, I can't put $100,000 into a 2000 a year annual policy. So there has to be some type of buildup of different policies when you make more money. That's, so that's why I have multiple policies. And it spreads your risk. So if you have, the, in insurance policies, they have something called critical illness. When you tap into your critical illness, you're forfeiting all of the extra death benefit that comes in that policy. So if I have 13 policies and I get sick or critically ill, I can just tap into two of the policies and get that money out while my family still has 11 policies working on behalf of us. So you got to understand the importance of mitigating your risk. Um, one of the most important values that I demonstrate as a leader to my team is that there is nothing that I tell them to do that I won't do. I think that's the best one. Even if people get frustrated or mad at the direction that I give them, at the end of the day, they know deep down in their heart, I know Jay could do it. See, when, when you're a leader and your team knows that you're not, you would never do what you're telling them to do, you lose a little bit of authenticity of trust and belief because they'll smack their back. They'll, they'll do stuff like that. However, if I tell my team to do something and they don't do it, they know I'm going to go and do it and I'm going to do it 10 times better. And it's going to really make them feel bad because they could have did it and we could have did it together. But now I'm trying to prove a point. Case in point, there was just something that just happened with uh, our advisors, our CEOs and our advisors. They botched an entire deal, like completely destroyed it. And... Um, 
So I had to kind of teach him a lesson. I had to show him that this little old tiger got still, he still got some bite in him. And uh, we went and uh, we were able to close a big, big deal, six figures that, I, that we were able to close um, within less than 15 hours. So all it did is recalibrate their respect for me because sometimes you forget. Your team forgets because you're in the ups and the downs and you tell them what to do. And sometimes they may be in a mad, bad mood and they see you chilling in the office while they just got done working 15 hours, can't even sleep. And you in here telling them, giving them direction. And sometimes they do forget that you are willing to do exactly what you're telling them to do. So sometimes you just got to remind them by doing it to help them see, oh yeah, I, for, I, I, I don't know why I forgot that, that my leader, is, yeah, yeah, he the truth. Okay, uh, how often do I feel like it's important to meet with the team? And do you want me to describe the importance of that? Okay, so um, it's important to meet with your team daily um, because you got to check temperature. Um, if you don't meet with your team daily, you don't know who off that day. In your mind, you need to know exactly where your people are. So we meet with our team every day, 10 a.m. every morning. Now, I don't run those meetings. I have our leaders run those meetings. Why? Because my team don't need to hear my voice every day, all day. It, it becomes like that parent that you're like, yo, I know you're telling me what's right to do, but I just don't want to hear right now. When you, when, so our leaders rotate talking to the team all day. And it's all it is is just to check the pulse of what they're doing and to make sure that everybody's on cue and everybody's on point. Now, let me say this. Now, when it comes to long, deep meetings, leadership development, that's once a week. So you want to do something like that once a week. When it comes to like retreat, uh, bonding time, that's once a quarter. So uh, every day for like just minute stuff, like what you're working on today, how yesterday go, what you're missing out on. And then we have success trackers that we hold people accountable to. And then once a week are the leadership development. And then once a quarter are the actual bonding times that we spend so we can make sure we're all on the same page. How do I get people to accept my ideas or belief? I don't. I don't. I just find people who believe or they find me who believe in what I believe. I, I, I used to spend, which is another reason my business has failed. I tried to force people to believe what I wanted them to believe. And, and if they like you or you're charismatic enough, they'll buy in. Like, okay, let's do it. But in, if it's not happening in time or they're not getting paid enough as they think they should get paid or they feel like they're not respected enough or whatever the case is from outsiders, what will happen is um, because they were they bought into the idea, but not the true you and the vision, they'll miss that. So when you're given the vision, you only want to deal with people who want to who want to deal with you and the people that want to weed out. Let them weed themselves out. I don't care how gifted somebody is. If they want to be weeded out, if they weed themselves out, allow for your vision and your culture to weed people out because your culture is the most important piece to a business. Your culture is not your systems, not your processes, not your standard of procedures, your culture. Because even when people aren't following the rules, even when things are going haywire, they're always going to double down on the culture. And the culture comes from you building an environment of a certain type of standard or a certain type of uh, reaction or a certain type of whatever that allows for people to be able to uh, bridge and move together. And the people that buy into the vision are typically easily assimilated into the culture. 
But people that come into your environment, I don't like how y'all do this. I don't understand how that works. That's inefficient. I don't want to do that. I should change this. Don't try to change your entire culture to fit that one person because they're good. Just say shit. You don't fit because there is somebody that is just as good or better than you that is looking for a crazy ass culture like this. And let me just tell you, our culture ain't for the weak. This is a family. We different. We weird. We're literally the bad news bears. Like it's a bunch of misfits in this company, but we make our misfixture work. I just made that word up. Just misfixture. I don't know what it is, but we make that misfit work. We're like an abstract piece of art. When you're looking at it from a from a from a from a uh, analytical concept conspect or concept, it doesn't look like anything. But when you look at it from a God artistic mentality, you see the beauty and all the differences on that canvas. So we are misfits. <laughs> we the misfits. My name is Jake Taylor Jacobs, and you just watched Inside a Millionaire's Mind. My name is Jake Taylor Jacobs, and you just finished watching The Mindset of a Millionaire. Look, I was raised different. I see the whole game different. Gotta go hard like LeBron in the paint with it. We don't just play different. Every day we think different. Wake up in the morning, talk to Christ. You know I pray different. Used to play.